show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it's gone right to my head. Wherever I may roam, on land or sea or foam, you can always hear me sing this song. Show me the way to go home. Hello. And welcome to the virtual pub for some drinks, trivia, and social history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim, and I'm joined by my drinking buddy, Illyri. What are we serving today? Hello, Tim. <laughs> yep, good. Thanks for joining in. I'm glad it wasn't ah, just me. We've picked a f- perfect night for this. It is, it is dark, it is cold, it's mm-hmm. rainy, it's windy, it's horrible, and so it only felt right... To open a bottle of red. I am drinking red wine tonight. And in honour of what theme? And the theme is, of course, Halloween. Yes. We're going to be re- talking about hauntings. Haunted pubs. Yeah. It's um, it's obviously the return of our Halloween special, our third Halloween special. And um, yeah, so we thought we'd go for haunted pubs this time. I, uh, I couldn't decide which beverage to go for because quite recently I've had two drinks that fit the theme mm-hmm. one was last week's <laughs> Machu Pisco <laughs> the supernatural spirit of the Andes I thought oh supernatural spirit that's good the other one um I drank in our boozing for good episode which is raspberry ghost the sustainable oh. spirit from green sand ridge and um I couldn't quite make up my mind, so I thought I'm going to put them together in an unholy union. So I'm, I'm drinking both. Um, How's with, it going? With a couple of wedges of lime and some soda. It's lovely. I did yep. consider, because I've got lots of rum and juice and stuff here, I was going to make a zombie, but as we all know, I'm really lazy. Just open some red. So just open some red wine, sure. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we're, by the way, um, uh, spirits. Did you ever kind of wonder about um, the sort of the etymology? I mean, I know this is something I think about rather than anyone else necessarily. But I mean, the connection between spirits, the booze and spirits as in kind of ghosts. Um, It was only when I started thinking about ghosts to this one that I did put two and two together. I thought, oh yeah, spirits, ghosts. (laughs) Didn't really yes. think more, really. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought it through. Um, and <laughs> so what it comes from is the the Latin spiritus or spirare. Spirare means breathe, spiritus, breath. Um, also means... <laughs> yes. Um, it kind of also means life. So breath was like life, Um in, in lots of cultures, actually, and in those cultures. So at first it means breath in terms of spirit, and then it's kind of like the the spirit of your life being being mm-hmm. breath. Um, but we kind of, we arrive at it being um, alcohol through um, Middle Ages alchemy. So the meaning of spirit comes to mean not only your breath, but something that is dissolved in your blood and kind of comes from you as an essence. And that essence comes to mean like a a distillate and um, also noxious vapors. So it comes to mean like vapors from something distillate. And so it evolves essentially from being any alchemical 
um, thing that's been distilled down into the distilled spirits as we know it now. So there is a connection between breath and life and spirits. It does come from the same place, but it evolves through alchemy in the Middle Ages. Thank you, Tim. Now you know. Should we talk about some haunted pubs? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> well, I'm mostly going to cover London, um, seeing as I'm, I'm here. And I can go and check these places out and discover whether there really are ghosties and ghoulies. And that inevitably means that I'm going to have to mention Jack the Ripper um, <laughs> to kick things <laughs> off, I think. So the first place we're going to is the Old Bull and Bush. Uh, in Golders Green, which is a, um, a farmhouse that was built there on, on the side of Hampstead Heath in 1645. And it uh, became a pub, it gained a license to sell ale in 1721. There have been talk of hauntings there for a very long time. Strange bangs and bumps um, and a shrouded Victorian style figure moves across the bar area every now and then. Um, they discovered in the 1980s what could be a potential explanation for the haunting. Behind one of the cellar walls, they found a skeleton um, who was surrounded by Victorian surgical equipment. So, as I mentioned, I, you have to pick up on Jack the Ripper where you find it in London. Um, mm. A skeleton buried in the walls with surgical equipment, cloaked like a Victorian... Um, and there are no further kind of claims of evidence that it could be Jack the Ripper other than that. But they're like, yep, it's definitely him. He was he was hiding <laughs> in the cellar and he died and he was the wall was built up around him or something like that. Um, but the old bull and bush kind of claims that uh, maybe they once had the body of Jack the Ripper in their cellar walls. Mm. couple of uh, bonus facts about uh, the old bull and bush. So William Hogarth drank there. Old friend uh, William Hogarth. Um, and... He was even, it's even believed that he planted the pub garden. <laughs> or at least he was involved with planting the pub garden. It, it gained a music license in 1867. And it became really popular as a day trip for cockneys. So cockneys would go up to the Hampstead Heath um, and have a lovely sort of semi-countryside day out. And then go to um, essentially what was kind of becoming a bit like a music hall, but this uh, music licensed pub. Do you, in fact, know the song um, Down at the Old Bull and Bush? Have you heard of it? Uh, I've heard of it. I couldn't sing it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was going to make you try and sing it, but um, I've got a backup. Instead, we'll let Florrie Ford uh, sing it to us. Okay. So there we go. That was. Uh, she sounds like a party girl. That was the OG uh, Florrie Ford song, Down at the Old Bull and Bush, that she made popular um, in the music halls. Uh, you might be wondering why, amongst the sort of jolly cockney, let's have an ease up and all that, they mention um, the sound of the German band. Yeah. Little German band. Listen to the Little German band. Well, that's because the song is not original. 
It comes from the song Under the Anheuser Busch, which was a <laughs> beer garden song which was commissioned by the brewing company Anheuser Busch in 1903. And so the title of the, the song is a pun on the surname because the surname is Bush, B U S C H, but they spell the song B U S H. So they had the brewery commissioned like a happy little beer garden song for people to sing to. Mm. Um, and, and then jingle. it got turned into this like Cockney knees up classic. <laughs> Banger. Uh, yeah. Actually, even in later years, it got um, turned into a political parody song about the Watergate scandal called Down at the Old Watergate. <laughs> what a life this song has had. Um, I've got the original lyrics if you want to hear them. Go on. It's in very German, si- please sing. It's very simple. Well, not in German, but um, I'll give you the translation. It's very similar. <laughs> it goes, come, come, come and make eyes with me under the Anheuser Busch. Come, come, drink some Budweiser with me under the Anheuser Busch. Hear the old German band, da, 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 da. Just let me hold your hand, yeah. <laughs> do, do, come and have a stein or two under the Anheuser Busch. That's a way better version. Saul's Cockney. (laughs) There we go. Um, I rapidly departed from Ghosts, but I just thought that was interesting. (laughs) Um, Back to Jack the Ripper. So um, the Ten Bells people might be familiar with as a pub associated with Jack the Ripper. Um, But the spectral sightings of that location are actually not Ripper related. Um... One of the pub's Victorian landlords, George Roberts, was murdered with an axe. And his apparition is said to terrorise the staff um, who work there and stay on the pub's upper floors. Uh, There's also some gruesome tales there of the murder of a baby um, that scare the resident mediums. Um, But it's not really known for that other than the people who work there. Everyone else who sort of arrives there goes there because the Jack the Ripper tours used to stop by there and you would still see tourist groups huddled around outside of it because one of his kind of one of his known one of his canonical victims um would frequent that pub uh official tours i believe are not allowed there and in there anymore there's a lot of frowning going on about that sort of thing now jack the ripper tourism so Mm -hmm. uh, the ten bells have said no more please however if you do want to see a man murdered by an axe and dead baby go upstairs uh, <laughs> I say attitudes have changed, but actually the Jack the Ripper Museum only opened in East London in 2015 and it did get a lot of criticism um, from Tower Hamlets Council. Um, and also there were protests just last year, 2021, when uh, the second Jack the Chipper fish and chip shop opened in Greenwich. Oh um, people protested uh, the offensiveness of that name. There is no waxwork of Jack the Ripper at the Chamber of Horrors, Madame Tussauds exhibition, which kind of famously does all the sort of spooky killers and bad people waxworks. Um, mm. Do you know why they they haven't got a waxwork did, of Jack the Ripper? Did there used to be something there? I mean, I briefly worked at the Madame Tussauds mm. and they had a section downstairs for like serial killers and stuff like that. Yep. And... Yeah, I seem to remember the Jack the Ripper bit. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there was something weird about it. Like they didn't have 
like a waxwork or something. It was all a bit mysterious. There was, yes. I, I don't know the reason why. I probably do. Probably read it while I was there, but you know my memory. So the reason, um, yes, this is true. <laughs> don't know. Um, the reason why, because because I just been saying about uh, changing tastes. Um, mm-hmm. Some people might think the reason they don't have a waxwork is is a matter of taste, but it's not. It's all about horror and horrific stuff. The reason they don't have a likeness is because we don't know who it was. So we don't have a likeness. There is there is no firm suspect. There's no evidence. Um, so instead, he's just depicted as a shadow. But that's why, because we don't know them. Um, the Ten Bells in Spitalfields is not to be confused with the nearby Bow Bells uh, in Bow. Uh, but that one is likewise haunted, apparently. Um, and this one, this one's a ghost that enjoys toilet humour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is Boozer in Myland, and they make themselves known by flushing the toilet in the women's loo when someone is on it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're thinking, well, that's a faulty automatic sensor, it's apparently been doing it since uh, the 1970s, right up to the present day. At the height of the problem in 1974, uh, the landlord attempted to get rid of the ghost with a seance. Um, and as they were doing that in the toilet, the doors flung open and smashed the glass, um, in, a pane of glass in the uh, on the windows. So there you go. If you um, fancy a surprise douching, pop on down <laughs> to the Bow Bells. Uh, <laughs> you might have heard about kind of the uh, talking about Cockneys, um, the sound of the Bow Bells thing. So you can technically only be a Cockney if you were born in the east end of the city. And specifically, they say, you must be born within the sound of Bow Bells. Um, now, the Bow Bells are not in Bow. <laughs> They're in Cheapside. They're at the uh, St. Mary Le Bow Church in Cheapside. And they did a survey of how far the sound actually does carry uh, in the year 2000. Um which, you know, given how noisy London is, gives you some perspective of how far it used to carry. Um, and what they found is that it could be heard six miles to the east, four miles to the west, five miles to the north, and three miles to the south. So according to legend, Dick Whittington heard the bells in Highgate in North London before he turned back and came home. So that's quite a generous interpretation, I think, of being a Cockney born within the sound of the bell, bell, uh, bell bells as an Eastender. Mm. Quite far-reaching. I didn't realise that. Mm. Um, so I've also got a lot of haunted pubs to talk about. Yes. Um, and since you're doing London, it only makes sense that I stayed in Wales. Of course. So I'm going to chat to you about lots of Welsh pubs. Uh, and I'm going to start with the most Welsh-sounded one, the Prince of Wales Inn. Uh, so that is a pub in Bridgend. The building dates back to the 15th century. Um, it used to serve as an old town hall. Um, well, actually, it's had lots of uses. It's been a court, a place of trade, a school. Also, um, way back in the day, served as a mortuary for nearby shipwrecks. So it's got quite a good CV with regards to, you know, potential ghosts. Um but a lot of the hauntings and reasonings that people give for some of the ghosts and the activity that happens there, they seem to pin it back to the old town hall. Um, in 1982, the Prince of Wales Inn made headlines um, due to reports of an organ being played in the dead of night in a locked room above the bar and pub area. And of course, said locked room was the old town hall. 
Um, so this drew the attention of the experts and the enthusiasts, and they all started to flock there with their sound recording equipment and whatnot. Uh, and they recorded, again, organ sounds, but also um, knocks and footsteps. Some claimed that they could hear some human voices faintly on the recordings, um, a ticking clock, all sorts of noises. Um, there was also one theory that um, two chaps had who were middling kind of from sceptical to kind of believing, <laughs> but they were trying to scientifically prove where the sounds were coming from. And they had a theory that it was to do with the salt and the clay in the walls of the building and that essentially the sounds from way back when had got trapped in the walls <laughs> and that they were being released. So they had a theory that that was happening. Uh, however, the landlord disagrees. He is a firm believer in the paranormal activity. Uh, his name's Gareth Maund. He is well into it. Um, <laughs> he actually refuses, uh, he refuses to use the word ghosts. He just calls them his friends. Friends, not ghosts. Um, and he says, I respect my friends. They're going to be here a lot longer than I will. So you just have to give them the respect they deserve. Uh, so he's done a lot of interviews about the paranormal, par can't say paranormal, paranormal <laughs> activity. Um, there's a long list. Uh, so he claims that his dogs often turn their heads in unison to look at something that's not there. Uh, he also claims that children often play with invisible people in the pub. He's clearly never seen Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> yeah, it's just Rick Mel, mate. <laughs> um, a lot of the paranormal activity does seem to happen kind of upstairs where this old town hall used to be. A lot of people who were up there especially in the doorway going into the town hall, claim that uh, they've had their ears pulled, their faces stroked, they've heard cracks like footsteps in the uh, floorboards. There's also apparently a ghost there that has uh, been dubbed the smelly ghost because when that one turns up, it uh, produces a smell of rotten fish. So stinky fish ghost. Okay. Um, there's also a boy in the cupboard. He's a nine-year-old boy, very particular with that one, nine years mm -hmm. old. Uh, he's been seen in the cupboard upstairs. It's thought to be a child that died uh, in a terrible accident nearby in the 19th century. Uh, back downstairs in the back kitchen, bath staff claim to have been touched. Mm -hmm. That's all Gareth said. People have been touched out back. <laughs> I'm starting to be suspicious about Gareth's <laughs> motives. <laughs> Um, he said they've also been spoken to and claimed that jugs have shot across the room without being touched. Can you specify? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> um, some customers have claimed to see an old lady at the bar. She's dressed in a 90s, 40s style clothes and sometimes she tries to talk to them. Uh, other unexplained things are a mist, strange mists in the bedroom. Uh, sometimes white, black or pink in colour and they only appear at night. Also, Gareth is adamant that he's heard on numerous occasions a ghostly voice across the car park shouting, Good night, Jack. Um, the previous landlord was called Jack, so he thinks it might be somebody saying good night to the old landlord. Oh, that's friendly. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing I'll add to this, <laughs> I don't know if it's funny or tragic or both. <laughs> But Gareth says every night before he goes to bed and locks up, he says, good night, everyone. I love you. 
it's the stuff of BBC sitcoms, isn't it? <laughs> I'm still thinking about the poor smelly ghost. Can you imagine dying and that being your sort of immortal afterlife legacy? You just <laughs> float around stinking a fish. <laughs> like, okay. Mm, <laughs> that's If that's what the universe wants from me. <laughs> What's next? Um, next is what's claimed to be one of the most haunted pubs in Wales. It's called the Skirid Mountain Inn. Uh, it's in Abergavenny, next to the Skirid Mountain. Um, interesting thing about the Skirid Mountains, there's actually two mountains very close to each other, one massive one and one smaller one right next to it. Um, so Skirid uh, in Welsh is Skirid. Uh, it means shiver. Mm. And the legend is that um, when Jesus was crucified, the mountain got so angry it shivered in anger and split into two. And that's why you've got Skirid Vau and Skirid Vach, which is the big shiver and the little shiver where the mountain split because it got so triggered by Jesus getting crucified. Was, was Jesus crucified in Wales? Didn't know that. I don't know. Wow. If you could hear the bells from that far away, perhaps the, the rumours of Jeebus getting crucified got as far as Wales. Right, I see. And the mountains did shake. Uh, anyway, back to the Skirid Mountain Inn. Uh, it's one of the oldest inns in Wales. Uh, it's been standing for over 900 years. In its past, it was used as a courtroom and an execution place. Uh, absolute breeding ground for ghosts again. Uh, it's said that victims of the ropes still appear and it would explain why the skew is listed as one of Britain's most haunted pubs, not just Wales's most haunted pubs. Uh, if you do want to stay there, it's 90 quid with breakfast. Absolute bargs. What can you expect? Um, so, records show that 182 people were hung from the same beam that runs over the top of the staircase in the pub to this day. You can still see the rope marks, apparently, in the beam. Um, one of the old judges there from around the 17th century was a judge called George Jeffreys, and it said that he still stalks the upper floors of the inn, looking for people to contempt, condemn to death probably don't want to bump into him uh, but the main resident is a lady called fanny price ah okay so this is why fanny you chose price. this one <laughs> <laughs> so she worked at the inn in the 18th century and she died of consumption at 35 oh dear yeah she's buried at the local cemetery and her grave can be seen there with fanny price written in big letters Mm -hmm. um, her spirit apparently likes room three of the skewage. Uh She often appears. She's not malicious at all. She's a very friendly spirit. Um, she never kind of harms people or scares people. And people say they feel quite calm when they see her. And she often appears with the smell of lavender first. So people will get a waft of lavender and then they'll see Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> You've been building up to that for two minutes. <laughs> Um, another one who's only been seen several times, but I just like the fact that <laughs> they're so particular about this guy. John Crowther, sheep rustler, often seen. That's all they've written on the just website. <laughs> John, John Crowther, sheep rustler, often seen. So John might rock up with a sheep or two. Sure. Uh, so as well as spirits, there's a lot of poltergeist activity. Um, many visitors report feeling like they've been strangled. Um, some, according to the landlord, claim that 
they have marks on their necks and they'll show him marks on their necks and they say it's appeared since I've been here this is not something that I had before uh, but there's one particularly bad one which hit the headlines there was a woman who was staying in room three and no sorry it wasn't room three that's Fanny and she's nice she was staying in one of the rooms and she just appeared downstairs in like a towel with wet hair really freaked out one night saying she was trying to kill me she's trying to kill me and apparently she swears down that she was being held under the water in her bath by something and that everyone seems really fixated on the fact that she was adamant it was a she even though she couldn't see anything or couldn't hear anything but she was like no it was definitely a woman although uh -huh. i didn't see anything a woman was holding me under the and apparently former landladies and landlords during viewings when they've been trying to sell the pub um, have had lots of poltergeist activity disrupting that. Um, glasses being smashed around them and things being thrown across the room. Um, the landlord, Jeff Fiddler, great name, uh -huh. uh, he is kind of sceptical really, um, considering he's got apparently one of the most haunted pubs in Wales. He's not anything like the last guy and completely embracing it. He's like, mm, yeah, don't, I don't think I believe in it, but some weird stuff has happened, but I don't know. He's willing to be told different. Um, he claims on the first night that they bought his pub, um, he and his wife were sleeping upstairs in bed and his wife had this feeling that someone was tugging her leg all the time when she was asleep and it was disrupting the sleep and they didn't really think much of it, but... He said it was quite unnerving when he found out quite a long time afterwards that often, uh, apparently when people are put to death and hung and they're having a slow death, their relatives and loved ones would sometimes pull at their legs to try and end their suffering. So he was like, oh, that's weird, because that's kind of what you felt when you were lying in bed. Ooh. So um, that freaked them out. Um, he also claims that his grandson, back when they bought the pub, when he was about four years old, asked to go to the toilet and the pub was empty. It was before they'd opened up. So he's like, yep, yeah, crack on and sent him to the toilet. And the little boy came running back and said, Dad, the, the man in the long dress won't let me in the toilet. Um, and that's apparently another one of the things that Jeff Fiddler claims to have happened. Uh, but he said only once something's happened to him. He said it was in the daytime and he saw a figure, he claims, the kind of figure that you'd see on a Toby jug, <laughs> in particular. <laughs> okay. Um, he said it was a coachman in a tri-cornered hat and a long scarlet coat. I, do, I saw that in the pub. Um, I've tried to convince myself that I didn't see it or I was hallucinating or it's something like a trick of the mind, but definitely feel like I saw it, even though it sounds so silly when I say it feel like I definitely saw that. So that's the Skirid Mountain Inn. Thanks. Abergavenny. The, the problem with trying to uh, spot, spot a ghost by their um, peculiar historical clothing in an East End of London pub is just, how would you know? Because <laughs> could just be a hipster. <laughs> like, you know, they're pale and wear cloaks and stuff. Come to I Wales, they all smell like fish and lavender. Yeah. I hope people are listening to this in the appropriate atmosphere. I've turned down the lights. I've got the candles on. The wind is howling. I'm all sort of, I'm all primed for a scare. Um, if you're not in the mood yet, uh, this might help. Um, Larry, what is a ghost's favourite body part? <laughs> Boobs. 
Yes. Ah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I knew you'd know that. <laughs> All right, should we go back to London? I've got some sort of soldier-based section, I think. But I'm going to start at the Flask, which is next to Highgate Cemetery. And one spirit who likes to make herself known from time to time is reputedly the ghost of a Spanish barmaid who hanged herself in the pub's cellar over a failed romance with the publican of the time. Um, that cellar is is open for you to go and sit in now. It's not a private cellar. So you can go and hunt for your, her yourself. Apparently she moves glasses around and likes to blow down the backs of customers' necks while the pub lights uh, have been swaying and temperatures noticeably drop. Uh, when she's around. Can you imagine that? It's just sort of getting cold in the cellar. Um, so <laughs> Highgate Cemetery um, was built at a time when the dead were really overpopulating London. They were overpopulating the local churchyards. And the government decided they needed large official parklands for new cemeteries, the Big Seven, they called them. Um, and uh, so Highgate Cemetery used to be very well kept, pruned and pristine. But after the wars, there weren't enough staff for it, and it closed in disrepair in 1960. And that's what really created the overgrown, crumbling, gothic jungle aesthetic that it's now come to be known for, that you can go and see when you have tours around it. Uh, The most famous ghoul haunting of the area is probably the Highgate Vampire, who's quite well known around those parts. So the vampire is said to be a medieval nobleman who practiced black magic in Romania. His coffin was brought from Europe to England in the 18th century and his cult-like followers bought him a house in the West End. He was buried at that site that eventually became Highgate Cemetery. If you've read Dracula, that's very familiar. (laughs) Um, He slumbered peacefully apparently until Satanists performed a ritual at the ceremony that woke him up. And now he's this tall dark figure that glides through the cemetery. And his presence is frequently announced by a sudden drop in temperature. And he causes clocks and watches to stop. And he terrifies all the animals in the vicinity. And he's been blamed for scores of dead foxes on the cemetery grounds. And apparently if you meet him, he has a hypnotic stare and a bone-chilling effect on everyone who's encountered him. (laughs) Especially those foolish enough to spend the night in the cemetery. Um, Oh, I get scared. Yeah. Highgate Cemetery is spooky, I can confirm. (laughs) I have been for a walk around there. Um, Highgate Cemetery also had a series of tombs that were built for people who wanted to be buried above ground. And regulations at the time required that they should be properly sealed. So they were encased in lead to prevent miasma leaking out, as they thought it would be kind of disease. Of course, the problem with that, with your um, biology and physics hats on is as the bodies decomposed in those very sealed tombs, the buildup of gases caused the coffins to explode. So Highgate Cemetery was full of exploding coffins, which I can only imagine was terrifying and hilarious. (laughs) Um, Lots of horrors have been filmed there. As I say, it's very atmospheric. So Tales from the Crypt, the old old classic one, Taste the Blood of Dracula, Dorian Gray, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, they've all uh, been filmed there. It's a great place to visit if you haven't been there already. Uh, back to the pub, the flask. There is also a man, I said this is going to be a soldiery section, there's a man in a cavalier uniform that may be glimpsed crossing the room and disappearing into a pillar, uh, as though it were a, um, a former path he would have trodden. Got some more soldier-themed haunted pubs going next to the Grenadier in Belgravia. So this is just off Hyde Park Corner, 
Um, its origins date back to 1720. And it was originally built to house the first Royal Regiment of Foot Guards that were later known as the Grenadier Guards. And while the upper floors of the building were used as an officer's mess and was also frequented by King George IV, the cellar was used as a place for drinking and gambling for the lower-ranking soldiers. So the story goes that one of these soldiers, who is now affectionately known as Cedric, was caught cheating at cards by his uh, soldier mates, and he was punished with a beating that was so aggressive that he was killed, and many believe he still haunts the pub to this day. Um, his visitations are most common in September, so we just missed it. <laughs> um, you'd think he'd want to hang around for Halloween, wouldn't you? You'd just like stick around an extra month. Yeah, um, spooky season. But they, re- they reckon it's the month he died. Um, lots of objects in the pub have been said to disappear or move around without explanation. Um, long-lasting icy chills, all the classics. Uh, both drinkers and landlords have heard footsteps wandering around empty rooms and moans coming from the cellar. Uh, in one instance, a chief superintendent from New Scotland Yard, uh, which is not far away, was having a drink in the pub when he noticed smoke start to waft around him. As he reached into the smoke, he shouted in pain and withdrew his hand, and he was marked with a burn of an invisible cigarette. Uh, the pub's ceiling, if you go in there, and I have been in there and seen this, uh, is covered with banknotes that are put there by visitors who are hoping to put Cedric uh, to rest by paying off his debt. Um <laughs> which doesn't seem to have worked. I don't know how big his debt was, but it's, it's building up now. Uh, maybe it's the interest. And there are also in the pub clippings uh, from newspapers framed on the walls that tell of all the other spooky sightings from over the years. The BBC actually went and filmed a programme on Britain's most haunted pubs there in 1982. Um, and they were taking a series of stills uh, of the interior of the pub. And when they had the photos developed, the head of a mustachioed young man was found peering into the pub through one of the window panes, which are actually 12 feet off the ground. <laughs> Another quick soldiery one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's The Volunteer, which is on Baker Street, ne- next to Sherlock Holmes. Um, so this pub is close to Regent's Park, and it's named that because it was a recruiting station during the Second World War, The Volunteer. Um, but the hauntings go back further than that. It's built on the site of a large 17th century um, house which belonged to a wealthy family called the Nevilles. And it caught fire in 1654, burned to the ground and took the entire family with it. And so now there are sightings of a well-dressed man in a surcoat and breeches that wanders through the pub's cellar, which is believed to be the former man of the house, Rupert Neville. Um, And footsteps have been um, heard the pubs, uh, the pubs lights flicker off and on, and the cellar because that's believed to be the original part of the house that survived after the fire. So uh, he's pacing through his original house. By coincidence, absolute coincidence, I'm going there tomorrow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is kind of filled me with a sense of dread now. It's just next to it's next to a theatre that I'm going to see a play at tomorrow. And literally, as I was going back through my notes today, I went, "Oh, I'm I'm going there." Okay, that's not that's not foreboding at all. Text <laughs> me when you get home. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm going to stay local for my next uh, couple of pubs. Mm-hmm. Um, very local actually in Nice. Uh, the Castle Hotel. Uh, so that's got a bit of a rich history of its own. It's been around since 1695. Um, 
it's probably most famous to people around here um, for being the place where Welsh Rugby Union was formed 140 years ago. Um, but it's also super haunted. Um, it's been visited in the past by the likes of Lord Nelson, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. Quite the mix. Um, but it has some paranormal visits as well. Um, no less than 12 ghosts, spectres, phantoms, plus a bonus poltergeist, so a hive of activity. These include the eerie apparition of a baying wolf in the cellars, um, the figure of another headless cavalier in the restaurant, um, the ghost of a young chambermaid who hanged herself outside of an upstairs window at the Castle Hotel, uh, people have also reported seeing a young girl floating along the corridors and a little boy in Edwardian clothes in the bar. It's also said that a stable hand is said to walk the ballroom, which sits above where the old stables used to be. Also, a mysterious lady in black has often been seen gliding down the staircase there. She sometimes disappears through the wall into the street outside, so she's obviously going somewhere she used to walk. The poltergeist, I know you've been wondering, uh, likes room 16 apparently, um, said to be the spirit of a fussy guest who died in that room. Um, staff claim that if they try and move furniture around or rearrange the room, whenever they come back, it's all been moved. So the poltergeist moves the furniture. Hmm. I didn't actually know about um, this until I did this research. I had no idea that the castle hotel was haunted so. no but we've we've been to neath together and can confirm yeah. that it is unnatural it is freaky. <laughs> <laughs> uh one that i have been to though and i've heard lots of other ghost stories is craigenose castle um so i don't think you've been in the castle but you've seen the castle with me it's the one mm -hmm. next to the lovely national park where we've been for a walk yeah um, so this is said to be the most haunted castle in Wales. Um, it was built in 1843. Um, it's most famous for being the former home of um, the opera superstar, Azvina Patti. So she lived there in 1878 to 1999. She died in the castle. She fell down some stairs and got very poorly uh, and died. And she was embalmed in the cellar of the castle as well. Uh, so yeah, lived and died in Craigenos Castle. And a lot of the paranormal activity there is said to be down to her. But also, after her death... Um, so she died in 1919, but in 1922, the castle was actually turned into a TB hospital. Um, and there were lots of children's wards in the downstairs area of the um, castle now. And then upstairs was other wards, but also the nurses' quarters and some breakout rooms. And apparently there's just lots of activity going on there. Um, so at the moment, it's still, it's, it's a luxury hotel now. It's um, got lots of bars, restaurants, a spa, hosts lots of weddings. It's got a beautiful theater there that Adelina Patti had put in, which they've now restored. Lots of the uh, weddings take place on the stage in the theatre. Um, but yeah, it's a hive of paranormal activity. They've actually done um, a Most Haunted special. I uh, don't know if you've seen that episode. 
but Derek Okora had an absolute field day there. Uh, where to start, really? <laughs> uh, guess room 36. That's said to be the most haunted. Uh, that's the room that they slept in when they were there with um, the most haunted TV crew. And the chap sleeping in that room said in the middle of the night that he woke up to find a female figure sitting in the bed with him. And she got up and slowly walked across the room and just kind of walked through the wall as if there was like an invisible door there. Um, so the following day they investigated that and started like tapping on walls and realised that where he said she would, had walked through into the other room was uh, hollow and kind of indicated to them that there used to be a walkway or a door there. Um, and behind that used to be like the chapel in the castle back in the day. So they think it might have been Adeline Patty walking into the chapel. That's what they claimed. Um, so the conservatory down on the bottom floor, that um, was a, a conservatory when Adeline Patty lived, lived there. She had lots of lovely furniture and drapes and plants there and she used to entertain. Um, but it later became a children's ward when it was the TB hospital. Um, there's a lot of activity there, but again, they say it's not too malicious, but it's a bit disturbing. They say sometimes you can hear the sounds of children crying and it's a bit unnerving. Uh, the cellar is obviously haunted because that's where they claim she was embalmed and kept for some time. And so they say there's a lot of activity down there. But the most haunted crew just went ham and claimed that there was a man down there talking to Derek Cora who molested girls and he was really nasty. <laughs> right. Okay. I like I like the addition of and he was really nasty, just in case the yeah. first part wasn't enough. He's a nasty guy. He yeah. molested girls. Uh <laughs> Also, not content with everything else they'd already got, they, um, the Most Haunted crew used a psychic artist during the episode to draw whatever he felt was coming to him while he was there. Uh, he drew a lady and a gentleman uh, who bed an uncanny resemblance to Adelina Patti and the composer Rossini. Um, it turns out Rossini was her favourite Italian composer they had a very close relationship. I mean, his name's inscribed like around the castle. It's above the stage. It's, you know, it, it, it appears a lot. And apparently the feeling was mutual when he was once asked who his favourite three um, opera singers were. He said, Adelina Patti, Adelina Patti and Adelina Patti. So they were definitely banging, even though he had a wife. Um, <laughs> she asked to be buried next to him, actually. So, yeah. Uh, no no surprises when the most haunted psychic artist drew an uncanny portrait of Adelina Patti and Rossini. <laughs> um, so the theatre, as I mentioned, Adelina Patti had a lovely theatre put into the castle. That has a lot of activity there. Uh, it's claimed that during the time of the TB hospital, the theatre area was used as a kind of recreation area for the children. And lots of people claim that they can hear the sounds of balls being bounced and kicked around in the theatre. Uh, mm -hmm. And they often hear what sounds like sticks being pulled up and down radiators. Just things kids would do. Just classic kids games, balls and sticks. <laughs> uh, the breakfast room was said to be Azalina Patty's favourite room. Um According to the most haunted crew, this was very active and full of extremely bad energy. Uh, 
the Craigonal staff explained that that door always used to be kept locked because behind it, before they um, renovated that breakfast room, it was just derelict. Um, and they said whenever that door was locked, we'd always feel ice cold air blowing through the keyhole. Who'd have thought out of a derelict room? You just got me thinking about croissants, though, because you kept saying <laughs> you kept saying breakfast, and I was like, oh, I'd love a croissant right now. <laughs> I'd, if it, um, I'd go into that haunted room if there were croissants. <laughs> I'd send you in and lock the door and blow through <laughs> the whole keel. <laughs> uh, the staircase. Now I've been. I haven't been on a ghost hunt there, but I've been there for like jazz nights because they have like. It's very similar. Jazz bar there. Very similar. <laughs> and the staff are like really into the whole haunted thing and they will offer you like a little ghost walk. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll have a little ghost walk. And yeah, there was a lot of chat around the staircase because I think it's obviously that's where Adelina fell to her death. And it's it's all creepy because the top two floors of the castle are still unused and quite run down. So it's all dark and cold and eerie up there. Um, so they, they walk you to the bottom of that staircase that's unused and it's just completely pitch black and cold. That's all you can see. And so, yeah, they just say, Adelino still walks these stairs and people have seen her dressed in black coming up and down these stairs. Um, but she's quite a diva, obs, because she's an opera singer. Um, and apparently, uh, <laughs> during an interview with a journalist, the current owner of the castle was chatting about Adelina Patti and said um, how she'd never mastered the role of Carmen. And as he said that, apparently a cast iron pan flew from the range across the room and hit the floor next to him. But she wasn't happy about that. It's a very common thing to do, to be fair. Mm. Lash out with an iron pan is exactly what she would have done. <laughs> so yeah, Craigonos. Perhaps that one could go on our spreadsheet because a lovely place to go anyway and mm. go for a nice walk in the little grounds have a nice lunch listen croissant. to jazz go to the spa i'll find you a croissant thank you uh and then we can have a little ghost tour great mm. shall i take you back to london please do uh i've got some dicks for you now Ooh, thank you um we're gonna start at the spaniards inn which is again in hampstead hampstead seems to i think hold a lot of the really good stories um, for some reason. But um, this one was actually immortalised in Charles Dickens's The Pickwick Papers. That's your, that's your first See what dick. you did that. Yeah, that's your first dick. Um, yeah, it talks about in The Pickwick Papers, if you've ever read that, The Spaniards in. And um, Dick Turpin, infamous for highway robbery, um, it's cited that his father was the pub's landlord during the 18th century. So that's something it it trades off in its reputation. Uh, except that he wasn't myth-busted. Um, yeah, Dick Turpin's dad did not <laughs> did not own that pub. Um, but the highwayman's spirit, nevertheless, is said to roam the upstairs rooms, uh, causing intermittent bangs and clangs. Um, outside, Dick Turpin's faithful horse, who was affectionately known as Black Bess, um, apparently haunts the car park. Nays oh. uh, and hooves have been heard by many people over the years. So uh, if you park there and your car gets smashed up for some reason on the drive home, then uh, blame it on the ghost horse. And then um, downstairs of this pub, there's a moneylender by the name of Black Dick, who oh, great. was run over by a horse and cart outside the pub. Don't believe it was Black Bess. Um, 
And so they preside over the bar area and uh, frequently um, is the person pulling at the sleeves of drinkers. So there you go. You've got Dick Turpin upstairs, Black Bess outside, and Black Dick downstairs. So much dick. Well done. Yeah. Um, there's also a Berkshire <laughs> connection for Dick Turpin in... So we're going outside of London, the Ostrich Inn in Colnebrook um, in Berkshire. So the foundations of this place date back to 1106 um, as an inn that was originally named The Hospice. And that was used as a hideout by legendary highwayman Dick Turpin. Uh, and also, actually, Samuel Pepys, the, the famous London diarist, slept there as well. Uh, and the inn is said to be the site of over 60 murders. Most famous uh, string of murders were those committed in the 17th century by the landlord at the time, Mr. Jarman, who, with his wife, made quite a profitable sideline by murdering their wealthy guests after they had gone to sleep. So the pair had a trap door built into the floor of one of their bedrooms. And when rich people arrived, they would tip the sleeping victim from the hinged double bed through the trap door and into a vat of boiling liquid below. Yup, what a way to go. Imagine you're sleeping and then you're like, oh, I'm awake. Oh, I'm dead. Um, And then they sold their belongings. So, uh, yeah, apparently has lots of paranormal activity as a result of that. Lots of strange noises, objects moving of their own accord, ghostly figures. Uh, A woman in Victorian dress has been seen walking the corridors, while uh, the most haunted areas of the building are um, the upstairs restaurant next to where the murders actually took place. Um, Yeah, and then another another of the most haunted ones, the cold spots, are downstairs in the poor ladies' loo. Again, it's always ladies' loo. Mm -hmm. Um, which used to be the pantry where Jarman stored the victims' bodies. So that's a nice one. Mm, um, I've got a, my bonus content note here is a good drag king name would be Dick Turnip. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I've got for additional material for that one. I'll if anyone out there is looking for a drag king name, consider Dick Turnip. Uh, on that note, <laughs> mm. I'm going to take you to North Wales. Okay. We've been mingling around south. Let's go north. Uh, to the Black Boy Inn. Uh, that's in Carnarvon. It was built in 1522, back in Carnarvon's heyday as a port town. Um, so, yeah, the inn is on Northgate Street, which is right at the heart of the Red Light District at the time. In fact, it had a nice uh, Welsh nickname of Street Pedwa Achwech, which means four and six street, four shillings and sixpence, which was exactly what p- sailors paid for a room, a bottle of gin and the services of a woman for the night. Uh, so, yeah, the Black Boy Inn, um, hundreds of paranormal sightings over the years, but there are three spirits in particular that are firm fixtures. They're all pretty incongruous with each other. (laughs) One's a prostitute, one's a nun, and one is just called the strangler. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) the prostitute is called Martha. She frequents the tap room and has been known to interact with staff. Uh, She's very friendly, but a sad spirit. Um, The ghost of the nun unnamed but she's often seen passing through the bar 
it's said that there's uh, used to be a convent um, not too far from the Black Boy Inn back in the day and that they think that she is a nun on the way to the convent. She obviously doesn't stop for a pint. Uh, and yeah, the Strangler, it's kind of like the whole Jack the Ripper thing, really. It's a bit nondescript, no kind of sightings, just in the shadows every now and then. People have this feeling of hands around their neck when they're in the pub. And so that's why they've dubbed the other spirit the Strangler. Never seen, just felt. The other black pub is the Black Lion Inn in Flintshire. Mm-hmm. There are two ghosts that hang out in the Black Lion Inn. Uh, the first is a ghost that haunts in an iron mask uh, and causes mysterious knocks and shouts. One customer claims that the iron masked ghost appeared above the bar whilst he was having a drink and caused his glass to shatter. Um, the other ghost is a little bit more mysterious. Um, former pub owner Jane Forkin Russell, great name. <laughs> What's your name again? My name's Jane Forkin Russell. (laughs) (laughs) She said she'd been poked in the back with two fingers whilst working alone in the pub. Obviously a ghost. Mm -hmm. Um, The mysterious figure is also said to have knocked objects off the shelves and moved things around. Plot twist, though. The Black Lion Inn ceased trade in early 2010-2011. A lot of the kind of locals were gutted to see it go, probably because of the quirky way in which it was run. They uh, ran on the whole honesty bar approach, where you just pay for what you drink. Mm -hmm. Might be why it shut. But yeah, somebody bought it since then and vowed to kind of renovate it, bring it back up to speed and open again, but they've decided against that. So it's found itself back on the market as of, I think, August this year or last year. Um, so yeah, if you want to buy an old inn in North Wales that's haunted by two ghosts, it's going to cost you £375,000. Put it on the spreadsheet. Okay. To buy it. <laughs> Not to go there. <laughs> <laughs> buy it all right okay yeah to buy, buy it buy haunted pub okay <laughs> is it me again use you okay uh i'm gonna take you around the smithfield area um first of all because there's some good body snatching stories from around there Love so it. one is the rising sun in smithfield Legend has it that this Sam Smith's pub, um, which is next to St. Bart's Hospital, was in the early 19th century the praying ground of quite a brutal form of body snatchers. Um, These gangs would drug the drinkers at the pub and then later murder them to sell their bodies to the hospital for medical research. So body snatching really escalated from digging up graves to actually Mm. going committing murders like the old Birkenhair stories. Um, So in this pub, two barmaids lived above it in 1989. They claimed they were often woken in the night by a presence that would sit on the end of their beds and slowly pull the duvet off them. Uh, Many others have heard footsteps in the upstairs bar while cleaning um, 
uh, cleaning away. And in 1990, the then landlady was showering in the staff bathroom when she heard the door open and close again. And then she saw the shower curtain pulled to one side and felt an icy cold hand ran down, run down her back. And there was nowhere to be seen. Mm. And there's another one nearby um, that we've definitely been to. So we've actually, we have been to the Rising Sun. I remember going there with you in Smithfield. And we've been to this one, the Viaduct Tavern at St. Paul's, which is um, the fullest pub opposite the old Bailey, dating back to 1875. Um, it occupies the site of a former jail. And it was previously a thriving gin palace. So it's one of the last examples within the city of the gin palace. If you think of like the beautiful um, glass windows that curve around. Um, So in 1996, a manager was tidying the cellar that used to be the jail. uh, When the door suddenly slammed shut and the lights went out. And after feeling his way to the door, he found that no matter how hard he tried, it refused to open. Eventually hearing his cries for help, his wife came and opened the door and said it was unlocked and was not hard to open. Was it just, was it a ghost? Or was it a man being pathetic? On (laughs) (laughs) another occasion in 1999, two electricians were working in one of the pub's upstairs rooms and they'd rolled a carpet up to get to the floorboards. Uh, One worker felt a couple of taps on his shoulder and turned around and then when they looked back, the rolled up carpet was lifting lifted up heavily off the floor and dropped back onto it. So, lovely Gym Palace to visit. Um, stick around for the ghosts. Um, I've got one pub to talk about. <laughs> I wasn't going to put it on the list because it's so shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I just laughed so much the more I read. <laughs> I thought, yeah, this is terrible. I'm just going to keep this in anyway. They're obviously trying to clutch onto the whole like, oh, we can make some money off it if our if our pub's haunted. <laughs> so it's the Thomas Arms in Clenetley. Um, it's almost two hundred years old, so kind of a tick there. It's it's oldish. I mean, it's not fifteenth century, but we'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> but they didn't even try and give it like a good backstory of you know you know in the past we've had what a TB hospital an opera singer that was very eccentric and died and you know you've got a backstory this one this claims to be haunted by a man called colin who left his hat there when he died (laughs) 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 oh they really need your help with some marketing bullshit to uh, inflate this one don't they (laughs) um but it's like even the paranormal activities like they can't be asked. They were like, Oh yeah, there was a fishbowl and it slid the length of the bar and fell off the end. Like absolutely no proof of that, but it definitely happened. Um the landlord's wife couldn't even be bothered to really give much more than that. She was like, Yeah, uh sometimes people go down to the cellar and come back crying and they just won't go back down. Okay, right. <laughs> um but then lo and behold, some CCTV footage that they, they, they were getting fed up. They were like, people aren't listening to us when we talk about our paranormal activity here, but finally we've got proof. CCTV footage, and they put it on Facebook. They said, this shows a vision emerging from the floor of the pub. It's something that we've seen many times, and now we've finally got it on CCTV. Um, and yeah, all I'm going to say is just look for the Thomas Arms Flanetley pub on Facebook and find that footage. It's definitely not an out-of-focus bug crawling up the camera (laughs) right 
<laughs> Confirmed. Myth busted. It's not. Myth, Myth busted. busted. You're not haunted. Um, let's go back to North Wales. Um, mm-hmm. Wrexham. The Trevor Arms. Um, so this is in a village called Marford, which claims the whole village claims to be haunted. Um, but a bit more about the pub. It's a former coaching inn uh, from the early 19th century. Uh, it's said to be haunted by a number of spirits, but the main one is down to a woman called Lady Margaret Blackbourne. So she um, was killed by her husband, who was apparently having an affair. So he he apparently threw her down the stairs to her death while he was having an affair. This was in 1713. So this was long before the pub was built and taken to, but... This kind of murder of Lady Margaret Blackburn has haunted the whole village of Marford for, well, hundreds of years, since 1713. Um, several homes in the village back when she died, they fitted cross-shaped windows to protect the residents from her spirit. Those windows can still be seen in lots of, um, lots of the houses around the village now. But it's said that she does haunt the pub. Also, the pub is haunted by the ghost of a cavalier. Another cavalier ghost, don't they? A pub. Mm, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the ghost of a cavalier killed uh, nearby during the Civil War. He's said to also haunt it. Um, my favourite one though is reports of a Victorian man with mutton chops and a leather apron. Um, there's one customer who's adamant that he once squared up to this mutton chopped man and said, "Leave this pub immediately." And apparently, the Victorian man turned to him and said make me and then disappeared (laughs) it's believed that this uh this spirit the mutton chop guy he's a farrier who took a horseshoe to the head and died and didn't know how to cross to the other side that's what the locals say horses again they are Mm, they're racking up the old ghost points aren't they horses Mm. also just as a little side note and this it's not really a side note in the grand scheme of things if you're into this, but it is very much just like a PS. Room 30 has a vortex which serves as a portal to, portal to the underworld. Oh, okay. Oh, that's handy. <laughs> yeah. Because it can be quite a long journey to get down there sometimes. So. Yeah. Especially so from Wales. Because you, pop, if you, Cause you have to go there. via London and it's like, ugh. Do you not have a more direct route? <laughs> can you get a travel card to the yeah. underworld? Yeah. Last one, save my favourite last. Um, still in North Wales, in Denbyshire. The Schlinder Inn. Uh, so this is a 13th century grade 2 listed building and it's famous for two things. One, it's got the oldest thatched roof in the UK. Pretty impressive. But two, there's a randy ghost that prowls this pub. Her name's Sylvia. <laughs> She's the wife of a sailor. Sailor. So she was unfaithful while he was at sea. Uh, one stormy night, her husband returned unexpectedly and found her in the arms of another man. So he did what any of us would have done, stabbed the guy to death and strangled Sylvia. Uh-huh, um, sure. Today it's said that Sylvia still walks in the inn, but she lewdly touches men and whispers sweet nothings into their ears. Um, and apparently she is not interested in single men. It's only married men that get touched up by old Sylvia. Dirty ghost. Mm. 
young, dirty, dirty Randy Ghost. So if you're married and want a copper feel, I'll be touched up. Head to Denbyshire. Sylvia will sort you out. Top sight, yeah. Good tips, <laughs> good tips. <laughs> Don't put that one on the spreadsheet for us, though. I know. <laughs> so, sorry, our bag. Um, all right, great. Well, I think for my last couple, I'm going to take you to my pre-London haunts, which was the West Country. So, first of all, the Devil's Stone Inn in Beeworthy, Devon. So this is a former 17th century farmhouse where staff have said there are strange goings on at this pub. Um, Particularly when it's being refurbished. They do not like a refurb, apparently. Um, When that happens, taps start running unaided, beds unmake themselves, pictures are found on the floor in the morning and the windows spontaneously fly open. Meanwhile, footsteps are heard on the landing, along with phantom knocks on the doors. Room 8... Is thought to be the most haunted in the inn. I love how they always have preference of rooms. Yeah. Uh, if you like, want to get my really room. freaked out, this is you. Yep, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> so make a note, room eight is the one at the Devil's Stone Inn. Um, and they say that the guests there say that the bed covers suddenly are removed and uh, pictures are being moved on the walls during the night. A young girl's giggling can also be heard along the corridor and the smell of smoke can sometimes be detected where there is none. Um, there were cottages that caught fire uh, on the same site as the inn, uh, which supposedly explains the uh, smoky smell. There was an RAF pilot who died in room four that can often be seen at the bar. And um, the locals have a ritual to try and keep all the evil spirits at bay every year on the 5th of November. So at time of listening, you can go and see this. 5th of November, the Devil's Stone, next to the inn, after which it is named, is turned over by the church bell ringers to try and keep Lucifer away from the village. So every year, they flip a stone. And yet, there's still loads of ghosts in there, so I don't know. I'm going to see the Backstreet Boys on the 5th of November. So... It's very similar. Do you? In many ways, they keep evil spirits at bay, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. Um, the other West Country one I've got for you is Wiltshire that's the red lion in Avebury so a woman known as Florrie is said to haunt this family pub Uh, and it's the site it's also the site of Europe's largest stone circle by the way dating from between 4000 to 2400 BCE Um, but she's not from that time Uh, she's not from that period they never are really that old are they they're always sort of somewhere between the renaissance and the wars um so the story goes that florrie was thrown down a well by her soldier husband during the time of the english civil war having gone to battle while he was away florrie took a lover and one night her husband returned unexpectedly from duty and discovered florrie going at it with said lover um he was enraged shot his love rival dead stabbed his wife and then threw her body down a well sealing it with a boulder sorry to end this episode on two sort of domestic yeah. murders it's a bit dark isn't it um there have been issues back in the day yeah well still do um there have been several sightings of a black clad flory walking around the pub looking for a man with a beard very specific is Florrie. She wants a man with a beard. Um, the reports differ as to whether that's because she's seeking her husband or her lover. Maybe they both had beards. Um, on one occasion, a chandelier in the restaurant started spinning at an alarming rate when a man with a bushy beard was sat underneath it. 
So if you've got a beard, be wary about going to Avebury. I um, will not be frequenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should stay well back. Um, customers have seen Flory disappearing into the mouth of the well in the bar area, which has now been glassed over and doubles as a table. Can you imagine, like, being at that bar, just sitting having your chips, and all of a sudden there's Flory underneath, like, face up coming up your table? <laughs> Quite an image, isn't it? Um, she's also... I just take my chips, I'd be like, uh, not sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not for you, thank you. Get your own, you dead bitch. Uh, so, <laughs> she has also, of course, appeared in The Ladies Lose. Always the ladies lose. And um, a former landlady reported seeing her throw salt and pepper mills around the tables in the restaurant. Guests reported (laughs) sightings of the ghosts of two children cowering in the corner of the avenue bedroom while a horse-drawn... More horses. While a horse-drawn carriage has been known to pull up outside the pub in the middle of the night, accompanied by the clattering of hooves. Um, Just to take things full circle, Flory, Mm -hmm. don't know if you remember... That's the name of the singer that sang the old Bull and Bush song yes. to us at the beginning. Yeah. Spooky. Oh, wow. That was unintentional as well. Again, didn't realise until I just kind of looked back through all my notes. I was like, oh, I've begun to end it with Flory. So, yeah, I think what we've definitely learned is I am going to get attacked uh, tomorrow at that pub that I'm going to, the volunteer, by someone called Flory. It seems inevitable at this yeah. point. And I need to shave my beard off. You need to shave your beard. And so our glasses have run dry, which means it's time to invoke the spirits. But hey, stay tuned to this Afterworld Frequency if you want to hear our spooky stories that we've written. Cheers, everybody! Okay, so uh, last episode, we set ourselves a challenge to try and write a short story, about 500 words or so, uh, that embraced the spirit of the spooky season and indeed maybe some spirits. So um, I've, I've actually written, I have written one that's about 500 words. I've also written a much shorter one just to um, get our juices flowing. So shall I start off with one then hand over to you? Yeah, please do. Okay. As everyone knows, ghosts like a tipple. That's why they're called spirits. But have you heard about Crapso, the boozy ghost? Maybe not, but I guarantee you will have noticed his antics. Have you ever had just a small glass of wine, only to find that the bottle you just opened is mysteriously empty an hour later? That's Crapso. Have you ever been for a quiet night at the pub and had messages the next day that you stood on the table with your pants on your head singing Come on Eileen? That was because Crapso possessed you. Have you ever been to Oaxaca for a light lunch only to find you start projecting ectoplasm after the tequila experience course? Again, that is the ghostly emissions of Crapso. So the next time your friends stage an intervention, tell them what you really need is a seance because everything can be blamed on Crapso the booty ghost. Oh, that was called yeah. Blame It on Crapso. Blame It on Crapso. <laughs> Over to you. Right. Shall I go? Mm. I've written a little story. It's called Gary, the Midnight Screamer. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. 
One dark rainy night, just outside Swansea, Gary, the village idiot, was meandering his way home after last ordered at his local pub, the Dusty Snatch. <laughs> Somehow, Gary got a little bit lost and ended up walking to the graveyard next to the really creepy old church instead of taking the well-lit, completely safe road home. As the wind started to howl around him, Gary was certain that he could hear a voice calling his name. Suddenly, the ground opened up right in front of him and down he fell. Down precisely six foot. Thankfully, the eight pints of bitter meant that Gary didn't really feel the grazes acquired on both elbows as he fell into the grave. However, one thing he did notice was that he could now hear the voice clear as day. Gary knew it was Satan, coming for him, just like the vicar had always warned. The hole was very deep, and inside it was pitch black. Slowly, his eyes started to adjust to the darkness, and after a few moments, Gary could just about see the shape of something sitting in the darkness with him. It called his name. Gary! Gary scrambled away in fear, trying to climb out of the grave. Then the figure spoke. The voice was disturbing, almost like a moan. You can't get out! With that, the figure held out its heavy, ice-cold hand, which abruptly fell with a slump straight onto Gary's crotch. Gary gave a scream of pure terror, like that bit in Home Alone with the spider. He leapt straight into the air and managed to catch the edge of the hole in his hands. He scrambled out for his dear life, and ran home as fast as he could. Back in the open grave, Gary's highly intoxicated friend Steve sighed in absolute disbelief. He'd fallen into the hole a good ten minutes before Gary. He thought together they might help each other out. He had no signal either. Shit. Gonna have to wait until morning now. <laughs> Very good. Was that was that partly inspired by some landlords you told us about? Twas. Good night, Gary. <laughs> good night, guys. <laughs> and obviously your own antics of drunkenly falling down holes. Yeah, I've not fallen down a grave, but <laughs> that you remember anyway. <laughs> um, all right, this piece is called Witch Hunt. Burn the witch! Yelled Susan heading up the mob of villagers. Mary, the accused, wasn't running yet because she was fixated on why Susan was pulling her dairy cow along with her. Wouldn't their collective pursuit be easier if they weren't trying to make yoghurt at the same time? Bertha was even carrying three pails, which meant she was imbalanced and limped along like a hunchback. Malcolm had a pitchfork and was partially threatening, except that it was mostly stuck with hay. Really, the villagers could have taken five minutes to prepare for this mobbing. She brews spells in her cauldron. It's made my husband's manhood flaccid. Susan pointed at Malcolm, who receded behind his hay pole. It's just beer, you numpties. You all drink it of a Saturday night, and your Malcolm always has one pot too many, which I dare say goes straight to his flopper. She's got a broomstick, Bertha challenged. Well, that's my ale stick, as you well knows, which tells you when the cauldron is full of ale. She admits it's a cauldron, Susan declared triumphantly. And you got a witch's hat too, chirped Bertha. 
Well, it does keep my head cool while I'm working over the fire, but I'm not sure there's any magic to that. Mary considered her options. Keep arguing with the baying mob, run away, or summon a demon to her defence. As she didn't know any demons personally, she decided to run away. Mary cracked her way through the forest, pursued by Daily Mail readers. When she was convinced they'd started going round in circles because none of them could understand Google Maps, she rested up by an ancient oak. The tree was decaying and all hollowed out. She sought shelter in its barky embrace and let sleep take her. Mary awoke some time later, cold and stiff. She needed a coffee and a good stretch, but she couldn't seem to shift her limbs into action. Everything felt tight and rough. She struggled to open her eyes, but upon doing so, discovered that it wasn't her flesh that regretted a night in the cold forest. It was her trunk. Mary was covered in bark and moss. Her feet were rooted and her fingers branched. Ants crawled up and down her legs and birds flitted in her hair. A squirrel nibbled her acorns. She tried to scream, but sap filled her lungs, and all that could be heard across the forest was a gentle creaking and rush of wind through dropping leaves. The following Saturday night, Susan, Bertha and Malcolm sat in the barnyard sipping sour milk and throwing darts at the chicken. I could go for a beer right about now, said Malcolm. Yeah, we did caught up in that witch hunt a bit, didn't we? Bertha agreed, scowling at Susan. Well, Macy said that Stephen said on Facebook that Mary was a witch, so blame them. It's the algorithms or something. Susan threw a dart directly at the chicken's bum, who squawked and promptly laid an already cracked egg. <laughs> yes! <laughs> story time was fun! Thank you! Yeah! Should we start a story time podcast? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but maybe we should do another one for like uh, for the Christmas special. Yeah, maybe. Busy Christmas See, story. People might message us and be like, "This." Be like, please don't ever do that again. Thank goodness you did it at the end. <laughs> as soon as I heard, "Oh, show me," I was off. 